The Royals made a flurry of minor league deals, and I believe there's a pattern to them. I'm going to tell you why next on Locked on Royals. You are Locked on Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Jack Johnson, and you can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. We're also live on TikTok and on Instagram. Give us a follow over there at Locked underscore on underscore Royals. Very, very easy to find us on wherever you listen to podcasts. That can be Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, and on YouTube. Just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe. Already got about you know, seven to eight new subscribers today. So if you were one of those new subscribers, send it to somebody who hasn't yet so we can continue to build up some numbers. The goal is to get to 700 by Christmas. And then by opening day 2024, we want to get to 1,000 uh, on YouTube. So those will be our goals moving forward. But always appreciate the input and the the follow that we get from the new listeners and the old listeners that have been listening ever since I took over back in June. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. It's the perfect time to go and create your account, and I'm going to tell you why coming up in about 10 to 15 minutes or so. If you are one of those new subscribers or first-time listeners, a little bit of a background on me. I work here in Kansas City at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Got a show once a week on 810, and then Monday through Friday, I've got a show on ESPN Kansas City, so if you ever want to get my thoughts on things that may not always pertain to the Kansas City Royals, you can go check me out over there on both of those podcasting platforms. But when you click on this podcast, you know that you are getting 30 straight minutes of Royals baseball, and what a week it has been. Uh, Not really for the Royals. I mean, they definitely have been in the news, been linked to some players, added some new talent, traded away a few guys, but baseball in general uh, has really had A lot of news come up over the last week or so, largely in part to the winter meetings, the draft lottery, the Rule 5 draft. But that has now all concluded, and it's going to be pretty quiet now for the next couple months or so, at least leading up to, you know, spring trading and surprise for the Kansas City Royals. There always can be moves made here in the next week, tomorrow, next month. Uh, But this usually is that week where stuff really starts to unfold. But maybe since it was... On the quieter side, I would say league-wide, there were some big-time moves. Of course, the Juan Soto deal, uh, the Eduardo Rodriguez deal. uh, That's just the tip of the iceberg. A lot more is to come, and we'll see if the Royals are going to be in on any of those big-name free agents or in the trade market as well. But one thing they have been pretty active of, especially this week, has been minor league deals with spring training invites. And they announced earlier this morning four new acquisitions, or at least three new acquisitions. One we knew about a few days back. I want to say it was yesterday. But you have Dan Altavia, who was most recently pitching in the Dominican Winter League, uh, last pitched in the bigs in 2021 with the San Diego Padres, also spent time with the Seattle Mariners. They also got Mike Brousseau, who was a Tampa Bay postseason hero when a roll this Chapman threw out his head earlier in the series. And then in the deciding game five at Petco Park, he had the go-ahead home run in the eighth inning. So some postseason you know, 
fairy tale stories coming from Mike Brousseau, but uh, he was added via a minor league deal. Then a former Minnesota twin and Chicago Cub, Tyler Duffy, was also inked to a deal. And then Sam Long, who last year spent time in the Oakland Athletics bullpen. He was the fourth name to be added to that list. And I think on the surface, when you make moves like this, I think the average fan is going to say, well, minor league deal. This guy's not going to be on the roster. I'm not going to put too much merit into it. I'm not buying too much into a guy that had bad numbers last year or maybe hasn't pitched in the bigs in a couple of years. I'm not worried about it. And I can absolutely understand that sentiment uh, when it comes from the Royals as well. I mean, how many times in the last five to six years have we seen the Royals find talent nobody else was looking at and that player turn into something you know, pretty impressive or that player become a big-time contributor at the major league level in Kansas City? Not very often. But what I was so interested about with these signings is I think we're starting to see a pattern as to what this pitching department wants. I'm not so concerned about the Mike Brasso signing or Brasso, however you want to pronounce it, because that, that's a super utility guy. Uh, that's a guy that is going to be triple A depth, might be up in Kansas City if there's a few injuries, but I don't see him uh, maybe making it out of spring training. As for the other pitchers that were added, those guys always have a chance. You know, I really do equate minor league deals to one year deals, um, and that's major league contracts, I might add. Because these guys are going to have just as much of a chance to make the roster as guys on one-year deals or guys that are still under, you know, the arbitration type of deals. You know, I just feel like looking at the list of those guys and how the bullpen is shaped out, like there is a non-zero chance Tyler Duffy makes this team's bullpen. There is a non-zero chance Sam Long or Dan Altavia uh, makes this bullpen because right now they haven't made any moves. And even if they don't, even if these guys don't break camp with Kansas City, you don't start the year with the same bullpen you finish with. You're going to have injuries. There's going to be double headers. There's going to be times where somebody's struggling. They need to go back down to Omaha, and you need to rely on somebody you can call up. But to the point I was getting at of a pattern, a theme we are seeing, is I go back to last year when Brian Sweeney was hired as the pitching coach. and I think when the Royals were evaluating pitching coaches, they gave all their candidates a pitcher to evaluate. And I remember Brian Sweeney got Chris Bubich. And the first thing he said about Chris Bubich is, why does he not have a slider? And I'm not sure what the answer was from J.J. Piccolo. I'm not sure what the answer was from the, the talking heads in the front office. But that was Brian Sweeney's first question. Why does the kid not have a slider? Well, Chris Bubich develops a slider, and we saw for a couple of starts, totally different guy. When the Royals acquired James MacArthur from Philadelphia, he was known of having this elite curveball, big-time spin rate. Now, when he came to the Royals, wasn't very good. I wasn't very high on him. Why are we going to put any stock into a 27-year-old career minor leaguer? Well, we saw at the end of the year, when using a pitch like that, having a spin rate like that, it is worth something. Then they go get Cole Reagans. All right, Cole Reagans had this incredible spin rate on the fastball. And they developed a little bit of a slider with that cutter action. And he became a superstar in that rotation. Not to say Dan Altavia or Tyler Duffy or Sam Long becomes anything. But you can always tell with the good teams that develop. Tampa Bay is a perfect example. Tampa Bay goes after a specific type of pitcher. 
They go after guys that you know might have a really, really good spin rate, or they got a high velo on a sinker. They, they, they really target one thing. And these are all great analytical teams that they go after one thing and say, hey, he does this really well. We can work with that. We can toy with that. And these minor league deals, Tyler Duffy's numbers weren't good last year. He only threw two innings. I believe he just dealt with injuries all year long and was not really pitching with the Cubs. Then Dan Altavia hasn't been in the bigs for two years. Then you look at somebody like Sam Long. He pitched pretty terribly out of Oakland's bullpen. But you magnify, you identify things they do well. Dan Altavia has his velo back a little bit. He threw about 98-99 with the Mariners and the Padres before the injuries. And if you want to follow me on Twitter at Johnny underscore 15, he actually quote tweeted me and said it was a blessing to go into camp healthy. So this is one of the first off seasons in a while Dan Altavia has been healthy. Okay, so the velo and the slider, something that intrigues Brian Sweeney. Tyler Duffy, another perfect example. He throws his slider more than any other pitch, and his curveball has an above average spin rate. Two things that Brian Sweeney and Zach Bovel love. Sam Long. Definitely had the worst numbers of the bunch. When he pitched in Oakland's bullpen, you're going, why would the Royals ever give that guy a time of day? Why would you care about a guy who struggled in an even worse bullpen than the Royals? Well, I looked at Sam Long, did a little bit more research on the data. Numbers weren't great. You know, the exit velo, the the uh, the walk percentage, the caper, nothing looked that great except for one thing. And his curveball had an elite spin rate. Even if he never pitches in Kansas City, there is something we are identifying with this pitching department. And I love it because that's how good pitching departments work. You identify a guy and say, we like this pitch he utilizes. Abandon this pitch and only worry about this one. We've seen for years the Royals lose guys to other teams. They didn't get a lot better. You want to know why? Because those teams identify that pitcher's best pitch. And they say, throw the hell out of it. Remember Jacob Junis? Jacob Junis's best pitch was his slider. A little bit of a tongue twister there. Was his slider. The Giants picked him up, said, throw the slider. Don't really worry about the fastball. Slider, cutter, it worked. Now, he's been dealing with injuries, but numbers were great. Remember Albert Abreu, who just actually signed uh, overseas. But when the Yankees gave up on him and the Royals got him, or actually, I think he went from the Royals to the Yankees. Because uh, he, I think they came from the Cubs to Kansas City. He had a great sinker that was upper 90s. They said, don't worry about the fastball, throw that sinker. And for the most part, he was pretty effective. These minor league deals are important. Now, even though they're not the big time spending dollar deals, these are guys that can provide depth. And there's things this pitching department is identifying, and I can have a little bit of faith in that. These guys, or at least two of them, have had big league success before. You identify that, focus in on it and say, we're going to really you know, zero in on doing that, and you might be able to find a gem without spending much money. That is one of the best ways to build a bullpen. Okay, the next thing I want to dive into is a quick winter meetings recap. What did we learn about the Royals? What did they do? And what does it mean moving forward? I'll tell you next on Locked on Royals. You are tuned into Locked on Royals on the Locked on Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. Also follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Locked underscore on underscore Royals. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to the title sponsor today, in FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning 
$5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Well, this week is wrapping up, and that means the winter meetings. We're wrapping up in Nashville and the Royals and J.J. Piccolo and Brian Bridges and everybody that attended from Kansas City now head back home and really strap in for the offseason in length. Um, I know it kind of feels like the offseason's already been pretty long, but you know with baseball, the offseason is always going to feel very long because it's a slow-moving market. And we've had many podcasts saying, you know, this is a situation where the Royals have to attack the market, not sit back on their heels. But right now, they appear to be taking the approach they have in the last couple of years. You know, they want to see how the market falls. But J.J. Piccolo has been pretty adamant about what he wants to spend, what he wants to spend it on, what outlets they're going to try. And I think that over the next month or so, we're going to see that you know really come into shape. And from the very beginning of winter meetings, I thought the Royals came in with a goal. And whether you buy it or you don't, and I don't, you know, doubt you or I don't criticize you at all. If you just kind of take JJ Piccolo's words and front office members' words as word fodder, hey, I, I don't buy it. Don't don't tell me what you want to do. Don't tell me who you're interested in. Tell me who you got. And I think that's a very fair assessment to have of this bunch. Because for the better part of my life, the Royals have never gone into Nashville or Vegas or wherever the winter meetings were being held and said, we're going to be guns a-blazing. We're going to go sign three or four guys. We're making trades. We're creating a lot of noise. Very few times have the Royals done that, if at all, really. I mean, the J.J. Piccolo era, you know, there hasn't been enough time really yet. In the Dayton Moore era, I would say it almost never happened. But what I thought was different in compared to years past is that this was the first time really that I can recall the Royals were linked to a lot of guys. And again, take that for what it is. You can call an agent and say, what's the price? And they may say, I'm worth $20 million a year. And you say, okay, well, we'll call you back. That technically is reaching out to somebody. That technically is being in on a free agent. But the Royals, I think, were linked to guys that were always going to be out of their price range. Um, I know that the big name everybody was kind of raising their eyebrows at, uh, had their ears perk up a little bit, was Eduardo Rodriguez. That the Royals were one of the teams that were in. I believe it was John Heyman that reported that on MLB Network. And then he signed a four-year deal worth $20 million a year, which is pretty steep. I mean, he's a 30-year-old pitcher. Do you want to be paying a guy like him, you know, $20 million a year? I mean, it, it was even worth up to $99 million over five years. You know, if he chooses to stay in Arizona, like, that's the pitching market. And I tweeted this out that, you know, you can complain and say, oh, that, that's out of the price range all you want. This is what free agency looks like now. You have to overpay a little bit. I mean, with Lucas Giolito, another guy the Royals were in on, you look at what – Rodriguez made and what Giolito might make. I mean, I'm not going to say Giolito is worth 20 million a year, but he's probably going to warrant 
14 to 15 million a year. And considering what he did in Cleveland and LA before the end of last year, I mean, is that a pitcher worth 15 million right now? No, it's not. You are banking on him becoming what he once was, what he was at the beginning of the year in Chicago, and he's your number one or he's your number two or three if you're a contender. For the Royals, he's a number one. But you can't sit back and just go, oh, well, he got $15 million a year over four years. We, we were never going to do that, right? We don't want to do deals like that. That's with every pitcher out here. Jordan Montgomery is going to get a lot of money. Jack Flaherty is going to get a lot of money. If you want to piece together a rotation, which Annie Rogers pointed out in her winter meeting wrap-up, which I thought was a great piece, is the Royals want to sign two guys for the rotation. Well, who are those two guys? I mean, is it going to be Giolito? I think the good thing for the Royals is that Arizona was in on Giolito. Now they're not going to be since they spent $20 million a year on Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, the Dodgers and Mets are going to be in on Yamamoto. Same thing with the Red Sox. I believe one of those three are going to go after Yamamoto. One of those teams is going to be in on Shohei Otani. And even though he's not pitching, it's a lot of money to go out there and spend. So the Royals, by the end of it, if Giolito doesn't jump the gun and sign with somebody, could be in the final two or final three of the running. You know, you're, you're kind of hoping at this point uh, somebody like Cincinnati trades for Tyler Glass now, takes him out of the running for Giolito. Like, that's how it's going to have to happen. And then you're hoping, because this – this appears to be JJ's plan. The longer a player waits, the more money is taken away from his plate. You know, you may come in, like Giolito may be coming at 18 million and nobody's nobody's moving the needle on that. And then you wait a week or two. It's 17. It's 16 and a half. It's 16. And that's what the Royals have done in years past. But Giolito, to me, is the last realistic option the Royals can spend big money on for a starter. Uh, Jack Flaherty is going to be a two-year deal, likely, in my opinion. Could be wrong. Somebody could really bank on him bouncing back in a big way, and it's a three-year deal. Um, I look at somebody like, oh, Seth Lugo. I mean, Seth Lugo, I've been you know hammering that point in for the last couple weeks. Seth Lugo makes a lot of sense. Uh, he'd be more of a two-year deal, in my opinion. But Giolito feels like a three or four. And if the Royals wanted to do it, I mean, you found some stability in the rotation. And if it was a Lugo and Giolito situation, hey, I'm not complaining. But now we're probably going to have to hunker down a little bit and wait a little bit uh, to see when the next move is going to be made. There could be a trade made beforehand, uh, but I think the Royals you can't just go quiet. You know, can't you know walk into a, a situation where they're just going to be quiet all month long or next month. Uh, they got to make some noise here, or the big dogs at the the table are going to eat all their food, going to eat all the options. I mean, I, I kind of compare it to. The runt of the litter. What happens to the runt of the litter? He dies because he can't get to the food fast enough. The, the bigger alphas, they take the food from him. And, and the Royals need to be the aggressive one here. They have to make a pretty strong pitch as to who they can go after. Now, at the winter meetings, I think it started really poorly. The Royals get the sixth overall pick, but then, you know, they go and get Matt Sauer in the Rule 5 draft. He adds some depth to the bullpen. Well, they traded Dylan Coleman. They've been linked to a couple of guys. But, hey, it's just word fodder. Who are you really in on? Who are you really willing to spend for? And, you know, we know what the bare minimum they're going to spend to add to the payroll, $30 million, But for the right pieces, they could go over that. I think they are going to need to go over that to impress this fan base to really make strong contentions in the American League Central. Because if you run it back with the same group, 
you're not going to make the strides that you're thinking you're going to make. And I'm sure J.J. Bacola knows that, and I think it helps with having some new voices in that front office, especially a guy like Brian Bridges, who I've really been praising all week long. All right, before we move on to our final segment and some breaking news that happened earlier today and some really cool news for a former Royal, I want to give a shout-out to something we're very excited about on the Locked On Podcast Network, and that's Locked On Sports Today. It's here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first-ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. So go and subscribe to that right after you finish up this podcast episode. When we come back, a former Royal was inducted into the College Baseball Hall of Fame. We're going to tell you who next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. Give us a follow, too, on Instagram or TikTok at Locked underscore on underscore Royals. Some really cool news out of college baseball earlier today that former Royal Alex Gordon and former Nebraska Cornhusker was inducted into the College Baseball Hall of Fame and long time coming, uh, really. This, this was a guy that not only made his stamp on the Royals organization with you know, numerous you know, postseason, as, as I said in the very beginning of the show with uh, uh, Mike Brousseau and his fairy tale hits in the postseason, Gordon had the same thing. Uh, Gordon had many moments in 14 and 15, none bigger than that Game 1 World Series uh, time, tying home run off of Jerry's Familia that sent Kauffman Stadium into a frenzy. I mean, everybody remembers that. I mean, having the the near inside the Parker in Game 7 of the World Series in 2014, the list goes on and on. Diving into the stands in Chicago at U.S. Cellular, Cellular Field back then, you know, knocking into a fan, uh, numerous gold gloves. Those are all major league accolades. But the type of player he was in college – was ridiculous. And what I always say about Alex Gordon, whether you liked him, loved him, or were critical of him, uh, Alex Gordon was a guy that from the time he was in high school had just immense pressure on him. Now, I never saw Alex Gordon play college baseball firsthand in person. Never got the opportunity to do so. But if you did, feel free to leave a comment on the YouTube page below or on Twitter at Johnny J underscore 15. But Alex Gordon, from the time he was 14, 15, 16, had this level of expectation that few teenagers have. Um, and I think one of the most unfair things that ever happened to him, and yet he still lived up to a lot of the hype, uh, not all of it, of course, but he really turned out to be a damn good ball player. Turned in an incredible career, will be a Royals Hall of Famer. Everybody's going to remember you know, Alex Gordon for years to come, whether you were four years old or 40 years old when you were watching him play. But when he was drafted by the Royals, remember the the comparison that was made, that he was going to be the next George Brett. And for a 20-something-year-old kid to have that type of pressure on them from the get-go, to be the best player, to, to be the next best player in this franchise's history. I mean, we're talking a Hall of Famer, George Brett. We're talking a guy that has a documentary on tonight on MLB Network. Now, that's the type of guy we're talking about. And that pressure, simply because he was a third baseman and a really good pick, like that was the pressure. And it was, of course, to get every Royals fan that had suffered through 
a lot of bad years. Here is your next George Brett. And you know what? It didn't turn out to be a very good career at third base. He was terrible defensively over there. And I will never forget, too, when he made the transition to the outfield. And a lot of people will say, well, yeah, it was straight to left field. It wasn't. If I'm not mistaken, dude, correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm not mistaken, his first start in the outfield was right field. And if my memory serves correctly, I think he misplayed a ball in right or dropped a pop-up. And everybody's wondering at that point, what do you do with this guy? Like, he can't field. He's not the hitter that you think he can be. And boy, if you criticized him back then, you were wrong. Because he turned into a platinum glove winner, just a multiple-time all-star. You know, he was a, a gold glove winner. Felt like every single year, even in the, the dark years at the end. Like, it wasn't hitting that much anymore. The team was not good at all. But I will always say that in those 14 and 15 runs, more importantly, I think in 2014, because Billy Butler was still there, and James Shields for that matter, like Gordo and Butler were what I think really encompassed being a Royals fan in that stretch. Like if you stuck it out in those mid-2000s years, those ugly, ugly years, the 100 loss seasons, the multiple managers, a, a 2005 year in which you saw 100-plus losses in three different managers. Like If you sat through that, you deserved a postseason like this. And I thought Gordon and Butler were very deserving. And then in 2015, you know, after coming up 90 feet short, of an inside-the-park home run in Game 7 off Madison Bumgarner. He has the game-tying home run off Familia and the Mets. Like, it just was a storybook career. And he was a guy that was rather quiet. Uh, he didn't have a ton of flair. He had a lot of confidence in himself, but just like a gym rat. You know, the work ethic was through the roof. And that goes back to his days in high school and in Nebraska. And to get honors like that, I mean, think about how crazy it is that in Kansas City, Missouri, Gordon was so popular, there was a Husker night. Now, I know there's a lot of Nebraska fans, at least a good chunk of them, uh, that are in the Kansas City area. But they didn't pick Husker night because of that. They picked Husker night because Alex Gordon went to the University of Nebraska. You know, he had his own corner out in left field. And everybody has Scherzi. Still to this day, he's a very recognizable guy. because. I think he was, and this is a good compliment here if you're a former baseball player, he was a dirtbag. He was a guy that played the game incredibly hard, and even when things went south at the tail end of his career, you know, the injuries, he couldn't hit really well. I mean, really, after the contract that he got following the World Series, things took a turn south for Alex Gordon. He had the, the injury in 2016 and 15, for that matter. Remember, Mike Moustakas tore his ACL in the collision, and Gordon got banged up in that as well. He had the, the wrist injury. You know, he had the, the leg injury in 2015. So there were definitely, you know, some injuries that set him back at the tail end of his career. But he still got to finish his career in Kansas City. And I do remember in that offseason of 2015, the Yankees were interested in Alex Gordon. So, like, you are looking at a guy that – it doesn't really happen in baseball now that you stay with one team your entire career. And he had one hell of a career in Kansas City. And I know that the breaking news today is not Gordon going into the Hall of Fame, nothing like that in baseball, and he won't. But college Hall of Fame, that's a tremendous honor. You know, because that's where really 
Alex Gordon became famous being this Nebraska Cornhusker, Big 12 baseball. You know, usually you think of SEC baseball, but Gordon in a very storied program became one of the best. And today he got honored for being one of the best and being inducted to the College Baseball Hall of Fame. Tip your cap to Alex Gordon tonight. He certainly earned it, and he certainly was one of the best players to ever put on a Royals uniform. Well, that's going to do it for another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to give me a follow on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15 and on TikTok and Instagram at Locked underscore on underscore Royals. Before we wrap things up, one last shout out to Locked On Sports today, our 24-7 streaming channel with our local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Tomorrow, we'll have tons of questions to answer in our Mailbag Friday segment. But until then, you take it easy, Kansas City.